0: We're so glad that you've tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Laura Chapman and serve as the Care and Connections pastor here. We'll be bringing our series, Everyday Armor, to a close with a message from Pastor Jeff. We will face spiritual battles daily, but as Christ followers, we have a secret weapon found in the Holy Spirit. We hope and pray that this message brings you hope and peace today. Now here's Pastor Jeff.
1: Uh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. Welcome to everybody who's in person here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to everybody who's joining in online from wherever you are in the city, the country, the world. I believe God brought us together today to hear from Him. And I'm so thankful that we can dive into His Word and we can grow deeper in our faith and we can worship our great God together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Also, welcome back to our series. We've been in this great series called Everyday Armor. We're coming to the conclusion of this series today And so whether you've been here for all four weeks or this is your first week, I believe God's going to speak to you. And I believe God's going to challenge all of us through his word. Because what we've been talking about is this, is that we're in a spiritual battle. And you know, everybody's fighting a battle, right? But when we look around, we see that there is a battle that's happening. There's the physical things that are happening, but there is a spiritual battle that is taking place in our world. And there's good versus evil. And we see that playing out all the time. And a lot of times we forget, right, that we do have an enemy. But his enemy, his name is the devil, Satan, Lucifer. He is the father of lies. And his whole objective is to keep us isolated, separated from God. He blinds the mind of unbelievers like you don't know God, right? And then if you are a Christ follower, he wants you to feel isolated. He wants you to be ineffective for the kingdom. And so we have to understand this. We have to know that we're in this spiritual battle. Jesus said it this way. The thief, that's the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Comes to steal our joy. Comes to destroy our lives, right? Comes to kill our relationships. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to have a great life. Jesus wants us to thrive. Jesus wants our best life ever. And yet we have this enemy. And so we've been talking in this series how God gives us spiritual armor, Armor to put on every day in this battle that we fight. And today we come to the last piece of the armor. And I believe it's the most important because it's the armor of prayer. And prayer is our communication. Do you, you know in a battle, right, you, you study military tactics and strategies. The first thing the enemy is going to do is go after the communications of the opposing army. Right, They know if they can cut off their communication, so we're going to go after that towers, we're going to cut off that communication because they can cut off the communication with the commanding officers, then this group, this platoon, this legion, this, these soldiers are going to feel isolated. Then if they can cut off the communication between the soldiers, right? then you're isolated over here. And so their whole strategy is to cut off the communications and then you can't call for reinforcements. You can't know if you got air support, right? You don't know what's happening on the ground. You are alone, you are isolated, and especially if you're over here by yourself. And I just wanna say this, in the past year, I think this has been part of devil schemes. There's been a lot of things that have impacted us, you know, physically, but but the impact on our nation, the impact on so many people spiritually and emotionally is taking a toll. Mentally, people feel isolated, they feel alone. And Satan's strategy is to keep you by yourself when you're isolated. And yet God says, no, listen, listen, listen. You're not alone. <laughs> oh no, I am with you. I am for you. And God gives us this gift of prayer. Prayer, knowing that God is with us, being able to call out to him. Cast your cares on the Lord, why? Because he cares for you. And saying, you are not alone. You have brothers and sisters in Christ who will pray with you, who will pray for you, who lock arms with you in the battle because our God is greater and our God will win the battle. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. So if you're kind of new to the Bible, great. Hey, open to the middle and go to the right. You'll be there. If you have an online device, you can go in U version and follow along with us. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. But i love for you to unpack God's Word today as we do that together. Now, Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. All right, so the Apostle Paul planted this church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a pretty growing, dynamic city, you know, pretty wealthy, pretty successful city. So Paul goes there on a mission trip, plants the church. Now, years later, he's writing this letter back to the church in Ephesus. And now Paul, when he's writing this, is in prison in Rome. He's in prison for being a Christ follower. He's being persecuted. He's in prison for planting churches. And he's chained to a Roman guard, right? And so here he is in prison writing this letter. And Ephesians 1 through 3 is all about praising God and worshiping. And then who we are, the great doctrine and theology in in chapters 1 through 3. And then chapter 4, he kind of turns a corner. And he says, this is how you live out your faith. If you are a Christ follower, this is how you live it out. And he talks about in chapter five, your marriage, right? In your home, he talks about it in your workplace, he talks about in the church, the church, the body of Christ, how we need to be unified together. And then he comes to the last part here. And in chapter six, verse 10, I'm just gonna read this because this is what we've been talking about, this armor of God. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It is not just your power, right? It's his power. You live in the power of God. Put on the full armor of God, not just a piece here and there, right? No, the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's like, understand that you've got an enemy who is scheming against you for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not just in the physical, the things that you see. No, it is against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil In the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. He's like, I want you standing at the end, right? When you meet Jesus, I want you standing strong and firm in your faith. And then he gives us the armor. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, you know, covering your heart. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we've been talking about these over the past few weeks. If you've missed, you can go back and watch or listen. But how do we put on each piece of the armor? And today we're going to look at this last piece in just these three verses. Then he says in verse 18, and pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, I want you to see how many times he says all right there. Okay. Right. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers. Right. With this in mind, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He's talking about the power of prayer. He's talking about the opportunity we have to pray every day. Sometimes we kind of isolate prayer to like one thing, right? I'm going to pray before a meal. And that's great, right? And so everybody started to eat and you're like, hold on, we got to pray, right? Rub-a-dub-dub, pass the grub, okay? You know, like we did it, check it off, let's move on, you know? But, but I think it's great to pray, right? Pray before a meal, because what you're doing is you're thanking God for the food, right? You're thanking Him, you're realizing there's people in the world who don't have all of this. God, Thank you, you're giving him praise and glory. You're also setting a pattern if you're a parent or a grandparent. Use that moment, man. Be intentional, what you say in that moment, what you teach in that moment. But he's saying it's not just that one time that you pray. You can pray at night before you go to bed. You pray over your kids. You pray with your roommates. You pray around. You, You can pray in the morning when you wake up. You say, God, here I am, use me today. You have all these occasions to pray, to live that out. Then verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, what stands out to you about that? Here's what I think. Paul says, hey, pray for me, but pray for me that I can proclaim the gospel. Now, I gotta tell you guys, if I'm in prison, chained to a Roman guard, I'm gonna be like, hey, pray for me that I get out of here. Okay, like I, I pray that I get delivered. Pray that these doors would fly open and I could walk out and not be attached to the smelly guard, right? Pray, pray, pray. But he's saying, no, 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 no. You pray for me in here. You pray for me in the middle of this circumstance and pray that I could proclaim the gospel. Wow. You see, that's a different perspective. <laughs> and maybe you find yourself in a circumstance you, you didn't think you would be in. Maybe you find yourself in a work, a job that you don't like, or maybe you find yourself in a neighborhood or in a relationship or wherever you are. But you begin to pray, God, use me in this relationship. And so many times we just want to be out of it. We just want to be moving on. And Paul's going, hold on, wait, wait, wait. God, what do you want to do in me and through me right here, right now? That's powerful. Pray for me that I get it. Pray for me that I can live it right here, because he says, I am an ambassador in chains. See, we are an ambassador for Christ, and Paul knew that. Every day, he was say, like, I'm an ambassador. What does an ambassador do? They're being sent by a country, right? So, they get the power of that country. They're representing that country. It's like, I'm representing the kingdom of God, and if you're in Christ, so are you. So are you. You're ambassador for Christ. So Paul's like, man, I'd much rather probably be in Ephesus preaching there, but here I am in jail, so God use me here because I'm an ambassador right here. Now what's powerful to think about is if Paul was preaching there in Ephesus, we wouldn't have it recorded. (laughs) Maybe God gave him a little time out in prison to write this down so 2,000 years later we're studying and reading what God wanted to say to us 2,000 years later. God's got a plan in your life, guys. And maybe you don't think you should be where you are today. Maybe you had other plans for your life. You say, God, use me here. God, open my eyes to what you wanna do in my life now. God, you've got a plan and a purpose for me. Here I am. That's the power of prayer. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you're at our Franklin campus, hopefully you got a worship guide. If you're online, go to the Rolling Hills app. You can fill in some blanks, just help you remember some of the things that God's gonna teach us and encourage us with today on this last piece of the armor. All right, notice this number one, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. And pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. See, prayer keeps us connected with our commander. That's what it does, right? Prayer keeps us connected with our commander. Otherwise, if you just go along, you're just kind of living your life and you're always, hey, wait a minute, I'm a Christian, but I never pray. You're like, oh, wait a minute, I think I've missed it, you know, <laughs> because I am an ambassador for Christ. So I should be living God's agenda and not just my agenda, right? That's where the Christian life comes alive. So that's what prayer does. It keeps us connected with God. Now, prayer is more than just talking. A lot of times that's what we think, right? We, we go, God help, I'm in trouble, okay, here's my prayer. And that's okay, you know, God can handle those prayers, right? But prayer is also listening. The Bible says, be still and know that he is God. Now, I'm not good at being still, I gotta be honest with you guys. I'm like always going and doing things. But there is this time of meditation, there is this time of stopping, and there's this time of waking up in the morning and going, hold on, before I try to go solve all the problems, before I kind of dive into my day, I'm gonna take a deep breath. Okay, God, what's your agenda today? God, I want to hear from you today. I want to live the life you want me to live today, Father. And there is this calming, this listening to God. This time of prayer is talking, but this time is also listening. That keeps us connected. God's got a plan, God's got a purpose for me. Prayer should be constant in our lives. Prayer should be constant in our lives. Uh, you know, every day now when I, I get home from work, I, I pull into the driveway and I always stop right there in the driveway. Before I pull into the garage and I pray. This is my little time right there, right? In the car and I pray and I go, God, just let me go of everything that I've just been on my mind. And God, let me be a great husband to Lisa and a great father to my kids. God, I'm getting ready to go in there. I don't know what they've, the kind of day they've had, but God, just calm my heart, calm my spirit. I, I use that time to pray. Prayer should be constant. Before I walk into this meeting, God, give me wisdom. God, put the things on my mind that I need to say. God, speak to me. You're developing this ongoing relationship with God. And prayer is not just that time before dinner, right, or or breakfast, it's not just that time at night. It becomes this relationship that you have with your heavenly father. I love this first Thessalonians. Rejoice always. We have a lot to rejoice about, so let's be thankful, right? Pray continually. That we're constantly praying and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you for your life, for you in Christ Jesus. You know, and you think about that, you go, man, God's will for me is to rejoice, to, be, to thank God for who he is and to pray, developing that relationship and to give thanks. To give thanks. We have so much for which to be thankful. And then we develop this constantly praying, praying continually in our lives. Prayer is a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. When you're putting on this armor of God, right, and you're thinking about Paul looking at this Roman soldier and looking at all the equipment that he has on and kind of thinking about the armor there. But, but you think about prayer, it's defensive because you think about the battlefield in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, you know, he's telling us there, he says, don't let Satan get a foothold And the battlefields, four areas, right? Your mind, and then he talks about your home, he talks about your workplace, he talks about the church. Don't let Satan get a foothold. Don't let the devil get a foothold. You know, you come back to Ephesians 4, 27, right there. Don't let Satan get a foothold there. So it's defensive. God, protect my mind. Protect what I allow in my mind. Protect what I see. God, protect my home. Protect my relationships with my roommates or or my spouse or my children. God, protect, God, my workplace. God, protect your church. Let us be about what you've called us to be about. Let us be unified together. It's defensive, but it's also offensive. Prayer is offensive. Look at this from 2 Corinthians. For though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Yes, that is awesome. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Guys, you have the power to demolish strongholds. That's what prayer does. See, some of, you, some of you you, grew up with generational sin. And it's in your life, it's in your family. And maybe it's alcoholism. Or maybe it's anger. Man. And maybe it's abuse. But you can be the one to stop that. You begin to pray, God, bring your spirit here. Let me stop this in my family. God, demolish this stronghold that's been over our family. God, I ask you to come, and I make it a priority to pray. You can change your entire family tree because of what God can do as he demolishes strongholds. That's the power and the priority of prayer in our lives. All right, look at this one, number two, the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. With this in mind... Be alert, hey, and always be praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer makes us more aware of what is really happening. That's what prayer does. It makes us aware of what's really happening. You know, you get an argument with your boss or or something happens at work, and you're like, hold on now, what's really going on there? Is Satan trying to get a (laughs) foothold? How am I going to respond to this? What am I going to do? You know, there's times if you're a parent, right, you discipline your children, and we're called to. But I encourage you, never discipline out of anger. Always stop before that moment and pray. God, give me wisdom. God, I love my child. Let me, let me discipline out of love. And then that moment where you stop, in that moment where you pray, it changes everything. It, it does. Because so often we're mad, right? They've done something. And we're like, oh, what have you done? You know? And you're like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me pray. And it calms your heart. It calms your spirit. And you becomes aware of what's going on. And then how do I love them? How do I discipline them? How do I help them be better? Because I do love them. That's the power of prayer. That's the priority of prayer. It makes us aware of what's really happening. See, prayer changes our perspective. That, that's what prayer does right here for the Apostle Paul, right? Changes the perspective. I don't want to be in jail, but since I'm here, okay, God, use me. If prayer changes our perspective. It takes our mind and our eyes off the problems, and it puts it on to God. God, you're doing something bigger. You're growing me. You're maturing me. It's sanctification, becoming more like your son, Jesus. Hey, change my perspective in the middle of this. Prayer gives us confidence in God. I think that is so big because we don't have confidence in our own power, right? We understand we can't fix this. We understand we can't solve this. But we understand too that our God is greater. We understand that our God is for us. And so we just look and we go, man, I got confidence, not my own ability, but I got confidence in God. That's prayer. That's the purpose. That's what God wants for you and me. Oswald Chambers, I love Oswald Chambers, but he says this great quote, prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. You gotta memorize that, right? Okay, because see what we often do is this. Uh, oh no, I'm getting ready to go to this meeting, or I'm getting ready to have this conversation. You know, I got to, you know, to find the relationship talk or whatever it is, right? I'm getting ready to go. And so I'm gonna pray real quick, and then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have the talk or I'm gonna talk and I'm gonna fix this, right? But no, 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 prayer is not preparation for the great work. Prayer is the great work. It's the time on your knees, it's the time of submitting your will to God's will. It's the time of saying, God, I'm gonna go in open-handed. God, what do you want to do in this situation? Woo! That's the purpose. Prayer. All right, look at this, the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Pray also for me. Look at that. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Look, be willing to ask for prayer. Paul, super Christian Paul, right? He's like, hey, you guys pray for me. It's not easy being in this jail. It's not easy where I am. Pray for me. Sometimes, sometimes there's like, especially guys, you know, like, I'm I'm fine. I'm okay. I'll figure it out. You know, it's like, no, be real. Be honest. Ask your spouse to pray for you, right? Ask people to pray for you. Hey, guys, I need you to pray for me. (laughs) I tell you, it means so much. To me, when people text me and they'll say, hey, I'm praying for you right now, or they get an email or people stop by and I need that. This past year has been crazy. It's been hard. It's been unprecedented, right? I mean, you you got everything that's been happening with COVID. You got everything that's happened with the elections. You got racial tensions. I mean, it's been stressful, but your prayers, it matters. Be willing, be vulnerable, be real and say, hey, would you pray for me? I need it. I need help. I need hope. I need, I need prayers. See, remember what Satan wants to do? He wants to get you isolated, right? He wants, when you're isolated, you're vulnerable. I mean, just go watch the Discovery Channel, right? Every wildebeest who wanders off by himself, they get dominated every time, right? There's a whole pack of lions just waiting for pounce on that one wildebeest, he's gone, okay? You know, why? And he's looking over like, uh uh-oh. You know, like (laughs) that moment of realization, like, I mean, the whole herd's over here, I'm over here, a whole pack of lions is coming, they don't care about them, but here I am. And that's what Satan does, Right, when you feel isolated, when you feel alone, and you're like, oh, you know, man, here I am, and I'm struggling in this, but you don't tell anybody else. You're vulnerable. And, but when you ask for prayer, when you begin to pray, when you say, hey, guys, come alongside me, I just need help, I need some hope, I need healing in my life, it changes you. And when you're changed, man, all of a sudden, then you can impact other people. Be willing to ask for prayer. Hey, prayer brings healing and hope, <laughs> That's what it does it's like a breath of fresh air in your life it is renewing it is reviving you you know you, you see self-help books out there you're like really i mean you, you got yourself into this mess. how are you gonna get yourself out of it <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what's self-help gonna do good luck with that right i mean we need the lord right we need sovereign god who is over we need air command we need help you know we need god in our lives and he's the one who brings healing and hope. And that's what prayer does, right? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Mm. Don't ever forget that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. And so often we don't even tap into it. No, we're just fighting on our own. We're doing it ourselves instead of going, hey, I'm going to call out to the God of the universe who raised Jesus from the dead. I want you to hear today from one of my good friends, Scott Kuhn, and and Scott's a leader here at our church. He's just an amazing man. He's just a godly husband and father. And, and over this past year, I mean, Scott's been in a battle. Uh, there's been a lot going on in his life. And some of you know, and some of you have been praying with him and for him. Uh, and so, Scott, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story. Would you just kinda update us? Some people know what's been going on in your life and other people don't. Just give us a little update on what, what's been happening. Sure,
2: yeah, um, January of last year, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, an aggressive form of leukemia and uh, spent quite a bit of time in the hospital and several rounds of chemo and some immunotherapy and different treatments. Ultimately, I had a uh, stem cell transplant in September of last year. Wow. And praise God, here we are six months later and I am still officially in remission,
1: so. Amen, amen. that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Thanks. That's what, I mean. what have you learned I mean, over the last year about the importance of prayer? What, what has God been teaching you? Yeah, I, you know,
2: I've, I've learned a lot. Um, I think that uh, I was one of those guys that's like, hey, I'd rather do something tangible. I'd rather go do something physical that I can see. But uh, I've been reminded, in particular last year, at the fact that the Creator of everything mm-hmm. has invited us to have a relationship with Him, and He's invited us to speak with Him. And so why do i so often not do that and so it's just the power of that and how it grows my relationship with him more than any other thing i can do is prayer and so the the creators called us to do it Um, and then quite quite frankly i've never been in a situation where i was helpless physically um and it's a very humbling situation and there were even times during my treatment where i couldn't physically or mentally utter my own prayer. I couldn't speak. I couldn't do things. And so having fellow believers join arms with us and fight that battle with us was so um, encouraging and and humbling and powerful. Um, And then lastly, I think just we tried to keep on track with making sure we were praying for God's will. We certainly prayed that I would be healed, and we are grateful that to this point He has done that on earth. Um, but our prayer has been and continues to be whatever his will is, we pray that he grows our faith and that we accept that and have the faith to know that that's, that he's in charge. Mm.
1: Wow. Well, what encouragement would you give to all of us about praying for ourselves, but also praying for others?
2: Yeah, I, I think, again, it's, it's, it's powerful. There's this vertical connection with the Lord that we have been invited to participate in. And, um, it is so powerful. And I think that the more you do it, the more, um, Maybe comfortable you get, or more consistent you become with it. But there's also this horizontal connection with fellow believers, and, and people like you and the staff here have been great to pray for me, and people in the church and people I don't know, my small group, family, coworkers um, there was a point um, early on in my diagnosis, where we know that one particular weekend, and we're just aware of people in Haiti, the Amazon, multiple countries in Europe several states were all praying for my help at one time. And that's humbling and it's powerful. Um, and it grows those connections deeper than really anything can with your brothers and sisters. And really just one, kind of one practical thing that I have tried to work on, uh, and, and I may have heard it from you or somebody on stage at some point in the past, but um, more often than I'd like to admit, I have told someone I'd pray for them, and then I forget. And I didn't do it. And so, and then I'd see that person again and it'd be like, oh man, I didn't. mm." And so, um, what I've tried to do is stop right then and pray for them. You know, if I'm on the phone with them and they bring up a situation, a new job or relationship trouble or a health thing or whatever it is, um, just saying, hey, can I pray for you right now? And again, that works on that connection. We're, We're petitioning the Father together, but we're also, I mean, here's two believers locked in arms praying together. Uh, And if I can't do that, sometimes logistically it doesn't work, you know, trying to be consistent with with making a list on my phone or in my Bible or something. So just being consistent, and uh, it is powerful, and recognizing that and knowing that we have an avenue to approach the throne.
1: Amen, amen. Scott, we're thankful for you, man. We love you, brother. You're a miracle, you know? I mean, you're just a miracle being here. Just so many prayers, but God has answered, and God's got an incredible plan for you, and he's going to continue to use you in a mighty way. Thanks, Love Love you, man. That's great. <laughs> Appreciate you. Mm. Wow. Guys, that's the power of prayer, right? I believe God does miracles all the time. And, and sometimes we don't see them because we're busy. And we're just on to the next thing. And we forget that we even prayed for that or we forget that they were going through that or struggle. But, but God is at work. God is at work and miracles still happen today. And so for us, man, just to recognize the power of prayer, And then this last section, I want you to see this, the potential of prayer. The potential of prayer. Pray that I may declare it, I love this word, fearlessly. And Paul's like, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Prayer changes things and prayer changes us. Prayer changes things. You know, Paul recognized I'm chained to this Roman guard, but I have the opportunity to share Christ with this Roman guard. And this Roman guard is going to come to know Christ, and they're going to share Christ throughout the whole Roman army, right? And maybe even Caesar one day will come to know Christ. You know what? Within 250 years, the entire Roman Empire becomes Christian. (laughs) And you think about the influence that God is using. Prayer changes things, yes, but prayer changes us. Prayer changes as we begin to pray. We realize the dependency that we have on God. We realize that God is at work in our lives. We realize that God wants to bring hope and healing into our hearts and into the people around us. It just makes us more aware of everything around us. Prayer brings God into the situation. Prayer invites God. God, I- I'm being challenged in my mind. This temptation keeps coming and coming. God, come in. Guard my mind. God, guard my heart. God, come into my marriage. And maybe if you're here and you're having challenges in your marriage, have you prayed about it? A lot of times people come in and and they'll sit down with me and they'll talk about what's going on in marriage. And I'm like, hey, hey guys, time out. Have you prayed? Well, no. Never? No. You're like, well, how about that? How about we start there? How about we start at that place right there? It's amazing. I mean, you begin to pray for your, your workplace. You begin to pray for your church. Every time I pull in the parking lot, I pray God's presence over this place. I pray for you. I've been praying for you for a year, right? And just pray for everybody who calls Rolling Hills Church home. But when we pray, we're inviting the God of the universe into the situation. Hey, what are you praying for? What are you, what are you praying for? What are you praying that only God can do? Don't just pray small prayers, you know, last time I was in Moldova, it was 2019, last time we could go. And uh, Moldova, the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union. And, and when we were there, we have a staff now, of Justice and Mercy International. You know, we've been working in orphanages all throughout the country as a church, Rolling Hills. And, and we've just seen God do miracles in the lives of all of these kids. And now we have a staff there who, who works with these kids, psychologists and social workers, and, and they're going back in the orphanages. And so they said, hey, Pastor Jeff, we'd love for you to come to our church. It's a, the, the largest Russian-speaking church in Moldova. And usually when I'm in Moldova, I'm you know, speaking at a church or going to a different place. But I'm like, we're going. I want to go because I've heard so much about this church. And, and so we went to this church, and it was a big church. And so I, I asked some of our staff, some of our kids, I said, well, tell me about the church. Tell me, tell me about the story. And, and one of the ladies on our staff, she's a young mom, and, and and her husband's just great, they love, they're so excited to be at church every week, and they're, they're children, and, and she goes, well, it was my grandparents. She goes, in fact, it was a lot of our grandparents, and she's looking around, and she goes, our grandparents started to pray, and there they were in the you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they're, they're praying, they're praying, and, and many of the pastors at our church got thrown in jail under communism, you know, communism, there is no God, and many of them were beaten, and, and they just, this group just came together, they're praying, they're praying underground, and they said, we wanna register, we wanna have a church building, we wanna have a place where our kids can come and the communists kept saying, no, no, no. And finally, they just kept praying and the communists said, okay, you can have the trash dump outside of the city. You can have the place where we take all the trash. And It was horrible and the, and the church said, okay, we'll take it. And they go out there and together they start praying and they start moving all the trash and clearing out the space and they said, we built this church, my parents, my grandparents built this place. And you know what happened, right? They opened it up in the, in the 80s and in 89 and 90, what happened, perestroika communism falls, right? God demolishes strongholds because our God is greater. And that church that they built that was so big, that was outside the city, the city of Keish now a million people grew up around that church. So that church sits in the middle of the city now. And when I was there that Sunday, there were children everywhere. People were being baptized. Everybody's smiling and laughing. And I'm just thinking, this is God, <laughs> breaking down strongholds that people never thought would fall. And God saying, my church is gonna impact the world and to see lives being impacted for generations for the glory of God. You guys, we are ambassadors of Christ. And God has called us, he has sent us for a time such as this. And so I just challenge you and I encourage you, every time you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, you put on that belt of truth of who God is and what God says about you. You put on that breastplate of righteousness, that you are righteous in Christ, that he died for your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. He remembers them no more. Don't let Satan remind you of those. Don't let Satan hold you back. You put on those sandals, that gospel of peace. Whenever situation you walk into, you bring peace. You take up that shield of faith. You know what you believe. When those flaming arrows come, they'll be extinguished, You put on that helmet of salvation. You know who you are. You are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords because Jesus paid the price for you. And you take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And then you pray. Pray for God to move. Pray for God to work. Whatever strongholds need to be demolished, you pray. You know the Roman soldiers (laughs) When they would go into battle, right, they have the armor on and they would come up against a fortified city and it would seem overwhelming. And there's people up there with archers, you know, going and firing, flaming arrows. And those Roman soldiers would come together this legion, 6,000 8,000 of these guys. And they would come and when those arrows started to come, they would just get down on their knees and they would put that shield right up there. The guy next to them would put a shield above them, the next guy right next to them. And those shields would lock in together amazing, And those arrows are coming and they're just hitting the shields or falling down. And when they run out of arrows, they would stand up and say, let's go forward. And you think about that, that's the church. We get on our knees, we pray for one another. We pray that God would move in a mighty way. We lock arms with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we realize that God is doing a greater work right here, right now. Guys, let me just tell you, let me just tell you how all this ends. Let me just tell you, go, to the book of Revelation, very last book of the Bible, and it tells us this. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophets have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. (laughs) You know what that is? Right, after this time of tribulation, Christ is gonna return and he's gonna say no more. No more pain. No more suffering. And you're like, well, come on back, Jesus. Let's go right now. What are you waiting for? He said, I'm waiting until everybody knows. Till everybody hears. Till everybody has an opportunity. And that is our call to go and share. But there will be a time when Jesus steps back. And he'll take and he'll divide the sheep from the goats, those who know Jesus, those who have eternal life with him from those who don't. And then there will be the great wedding feast of the lamb and it will be incredible. And I gotta tell you, one day, there will be no more devil. There'll be no more temptations, right? There will be no more sin. There'll be no more pain, no more tears or sorrow. All things will be made new and made right. And will you be standing? Will you be standing right there as he calls your name and says, enter in? Well done, good and faithful servant. Great job. Guys, when you came in today, uh, hopefully you received the communion elements. And I wanna invite you to take those out. If you're watching online, I wanna invite you to go into the kitchen and grab some bread and some crackers and grab some wine or some grape juice. But you think about this. (laughs) This is a little foretaste, a little appetizer of the wedding feast that will come. Jesus gave us this as disciples to say, Hey, just remember, remember the battle is mine. That I am with you, I am for you. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You are forever mine. So, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he brought his disciples together and he took the bread. And after he'd given thanks, Jesus prayed. Isn't that amazing? I think he prayed for those guys right there and he prayed for all of us. <laughs> After he gave given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, broken for you, personal, for you. Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. You are loved that much. He said, take and eat in remembrance of him. And after supper he took the cup he said this is the new covenant before you were under the old covenant right? you sinned, you messed up, you were out holy God, sinful man but that was a new covenant called grace God's grace Jesus' blood poured out for us Jesus paid the price for you for me he said take and drink in remembrance of me Jesus said, for whatever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back, guys. So get ready. And let's proclaim Jesus with our hearts, with our lives. Hey, I don't know where you are today. Maybe today is a day of salvation. Maybe today is a day you go, you know, I've been trying to fix myself. I've been trying to do everything on my own. I'm isolated. I'm alone. I need help. I need hope. It's Jesus. And right where you are, you can pray. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. Maybe for you today, you're like, okay, it's time for me to re-engage. It's time for me to lock arms with other believers. Maybe for you today, it's it's time for me to start to pray. It's time for me to really engage and grow in my prayer life. I don't know where you are, but God does. And God has you here for a reason because he loves you. So let me pray a blessing over all of us right now. Father God, we need you. So come, Father, meet us in this moment. God, you're saying something different to every one of us. And I pray that we would listen to you. I pray that our minds would be open, our hearts would be ready. Maybe we do feel alone. Maybe we do feel isolated. A today, Jesus, you just fill us with your spirit and say you're not alone. Maybe today there's some strongholds and we haven't prayed about them We've dealt with them, but we haven't prayed about them. So let us today start to pray, make a commitment. Maybe today, God, there's some things you're putting on our hearts, so we just need to be diligent and say, I'm gonna pray about this for my family, for my kids. So Father, we need you. Meet us in this moment and change us forever. We are your sons, we are your daughters, and you love us more than we even love ourselves. So speak to us right now.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.